Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Go, baby. Straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Believe in Vikings. I'm your host, Dustin Baker. I'm here with Brian McKinney, who's a Super Bowl champion. He won that ring with the Ravens, but we won't hold that against him. Um, This is really something. Tonight we have Randy Moss. Yes, the Randy Moss. He's joining our show. Uh, we also have Ron Saw from Franchise Tagged, Sally from Minneapolis, and Dominique from Sioux Falls. So we're going to jump into it in a moment with Moss, Randy Moss, and talk with him about a couple things present and then flashback into some nostalgia stuff and try to balance both of those items. But first, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of the sports action. March Madness is fully upon us. BetOnline has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to betonline.ag and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus off your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. All right, Randy Moss, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Doing great, man. Appreciate you guys for having me. Oh, well, the uh, the pleasure is all on this side. So I want to start off with some contemporary stuff. Uh, I presume you follow NFL still pretty closely with some of your commentating and analysis gigs. So a frequent topic of discussion uh, amongst Minnesota Vikings fans is Kirk Cousins. And by my count, you caught touchdown passes from 13 different quarterbacks. So I wanted to know what your general thought was on the Vikings quarterback, Kirk Cousins, and if he has it to take the Vikings to February football. Well, uh, you know, I really think that, you know, Kirk Cousins has has been through a lot, um, you know, just coming from, you know, the football team, been able to get his contract with the Vikings. You know, like Kirk Cousins in this system, um, I really think that when you look at what's around him, you have a great running back and cook. You got a, a, a damn good, respectable receiving core, one of the tops in the league with, with uh, Thielen and Jefferson. So I really think that um, – can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yep. Or can. So I really think that, you know, with, with, with him having weapons around me, I think when you look at this day and age and – you know, not taking anything from Cousins, but I think from the athletic side of you seeing a lot of these quarterbacks from Mahomes to Jackson, you know, to Allen, uh, to Murray, you know, you're seeing all these athletic quarterbacks being able to get out the pocket and being able to use their athletic ability. And I think when you look at Kirk Cousins, he doesn't look like, you know, he's on that level of of one of the, the top athletic quarterbacks. So with all that said, I think that, you know, I think when you look at 
after, um, you know, I left the Vikings, it was more on defense was just leading the way there. And then, you know, it kind of went away. And now that offense is leading the way and what I'm trying to and, you know, how to get it around. I think that just a lot of things you have to look at and just being able to be able to go compete for a Super Bowl. Uh, and you know what the Patriots was able to do, uh, spend money in free agency and, you know, haven't even went into the draft yet. So I think that there's a lot of key uh, missing pieces uh, to the Vikings to go with a quarterback like Kirk Cousins. Uh, I think they got some good pieces around him, but I think if you add a little bit more, I think that Kirk Cousins has shown some signs of being able to lead a franchise like the Vikings. Like I said, he got the pieces around him. So just put a few more pieces around him. I think he could put the Vikings in, you know, as the quarterback in a game in February. But I think Dalvin Cook is that answer. Okay, excellent. Uh, Dom, what do you got for Randy tonight? Yeah, so we kind of touched on it a little bit, um, answering, you know, about Kirk Cousins. But my question was, with the defense being improved to kind of where Mike Zimmer wants it after this offseason, how far do you think the Vikings can go as is with that defense? Well, I think when you look at the way the offenses are being put together now, you know, when you look at, you know, the Chiefs, what they were able to do two years ago, when you look at, you know, the the, the Tampa Bay Bucks down there, you know, with what they've been able to put together. So I just think that it's all really based on your offensive weapons and being able to create the mismatches, you know, within defenses. And I think that, you know, Cousins has shown – you know, shown that he can throw the ball. You know, you go back to the sound bite coming, you know, through the tunnel, talking about you like that, you like that. That was just a hell of a game that he had and being able to put the ball in the air. So he's shown signs of, of, of being that quarterback to be able to lead, you know, a franchise. But one thing you guys as fans need to understand is it really takes a lot, you know, out of a player to be able to home in, home, uh, home in every week to come together and, you know, the game is not, you know, the game is getting, I guess, a little softer, as they say, as far as the, the where they're changing the rules, but I think it's getting a little bit more complicated because you have these intelligent coaches around the National Football League. And the main thing that they're trying to do, guys, no matter if it's an interior lineman, a linebacker, a safety, or even a quarterback, they're trying to create mismatches. And I think that's, you know, I was never good at uh, chess, but I could play checkers. So, you know, I kind of understand the, the the chess match that you have to play with with coordinators. And I think that, like I started out, if you're able to put guys around the quarterback like Kirk Cousins because he has shown some signs, and I think that the Vikings is headed in the right directions, I just just that, you know, you see other teams doing it. So it's very interesting to me. I got high hopes for the Vikings, and I look forward to them having a good year. Sally, you're up. What do you got? Okay. Hi, Randy. And I hate to do this to you guys, but you know me, I live in the past. So, um, <laughs> Randy, I'm just curious if you could talk a little bit about the um, 2002 season. That was your first year um, without Denny as your head coach. And then Mike Tice comes in and he wants to dedicate his entire offensive philosophy to you. He even names it the Randy Ratio. Um, how did you feel about that at the time? Did you like that pressure? And what would your reaction be now as a commentator for ESPN if a coach named their offensive philosophy after one player? What would you think about that? Well, I really, really didn't pay much mind to the Randy ratio because I've always felt and I had the philosophy of 
being able to throw me the ball, you know, if I'm double and triple, then you give it to the next man that's open. But if they're not able to make the play, then then throw the ball to me. And so I think that's how the Randy ratio was created, just being able to get me so many targets a quarter. And I don't know if that took away from, you know, the 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 wins uh, that season took away from a lot of our focuses. So I didn't really pay attention really to the Randy ratio, but I think that now just being able to sit back and and, and be an analyst and 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 commentate on 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 the game now, I think, like I said, when you look at you look at a guy like Michael Thomas and how he's used in the New Orleans Saints offense, how you're able to move guys around. I think that when you hear me talk a lot, you know, throughout the season on ESPN, um, you know, Sunday and Monday. I think the one thing that I look at at receivers is you heard me talking earlier about creating mismatches because you have these guys out here. I mean, you have Pitts, the young uh, rookie um, uh, tight end from Florida, just ran a 4-4. So where do you think they're going to have him at? You think they're going to have him in a three-point stance with his hand in the ground or they're going to split him out wide to be able to create mismatches? You get what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. I think as the game has evolved from when I got in the game in 98, and where it was a two-receiver set sprinkled in with a three-receiver set, and then now it's become a, a three- or four- or five-receiver set. So, like I say, when you when you look at the game now and, and how the game has um, has grown and how it has, you know, expanded to create the mismatch. I think, too, in fairness to you, like the Randy ratio wasn't just slants like Michael Thomas. It was 40 yards <laughs> downfield, and we're going to throw it to you half the time. So It was um, picking peanuts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't play the PlayStation <laughs> like us, right? <laughs> well, um, the thing, what, what the thing about it is you have to really look at my build. You know, being a basketball player, you know, I think that most offensive coordinators wanted to keep me out of the middle. You know what I'm saying? Just for the contact, not being able to take that that boot, that big mismatches. I think mine was just more of just being able to read coverages. And, you know, when y'all see the hand, excuse me, when you see the hand go up, that's just basically me just trying to read the defense. And if the quarterback has time and he's able to buy time, then that's a possible big play or touchdown. So that's basically how the high hand was developed. You know, it was a good <laughs> You know, no thing by, you know, Dante being able to slide, you know, and you see my boy over there, Big Mac, being able to, you know, give him some time. So, I, I, like I say, man, you always hear me talk about my teammates and you hear me always talking about the love that I have for, for my teammates. Because one thing that I did learn at a young age, being able to win on all levels that I played on, you know, is it, it is 11 men out there and I was able to go both ways for most of you know growing up and you know I didn't really you know take anything for granted going out there because I know just any given moment any hit you know any wrong move could be it so you know the 14 years that I was able to have wrong and like I said man there was just a lot of things talked about me you know throughout my career good or bad and like I say, man, the people that I that love, that I love, that I respect throughout the game, man, that was important to me, man. I still have relationships with them today. So, man, I like I say, I think that, you know, the the game is, you know, what we play, the fans, you guys root and stuff like that. But man, we 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 hold more than the game, uh, more than the game just to our in our hearts. And like I say, the relationships just grow from the free, from the field to more like family members. Right. And Bryant, now to your point, or 
playing left tackle on an offense, knowing that, you know, we're going to take the deep shot and just, you know, we need that time to, to buy time mm-hmm. for Randy to get deep. Did that change the way that you blocked on a play knowing that like, Hey, like, I, all I need is to, to buy Dante this extra little bit of time because, you know, freaks going to get downfield quickly. Oh uh, yeah. And then um, I knew if I could buy him time, that'd get me up the field faster. Cause we're for a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> so Keep you fresh throughout the game. Time as, as I could, you know, to get, you know, those big plays down the field. Well, that's probably why your defenses weren't all that good to start because we're always on the damn field. Fast, so. <laughs> let, me say, let me, let me, let me say this about Mac. When we, when we drafted Mac, you know, coming from the University of Miami, of course, I didn't know his size, you know, how big of a of a man that he was until I seen him up, you know, face to face. But, you know, the one thing that I'll never forget about when we drafted, you know, Brian McKinney was, you know, what they was talking about on draft day that he never gave up sack in college. And I said, we finna get him. <laughs> so, so I think that. When you look at, you know, a guy like that coming from a from a prestigious school like the University of Miami with all their history and the competition that they played, you know, for him not being able to give up a sack in college and then us being able to draft him, like I say, when 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 the fans hear, you know, touchdown and you know, touchdown Vikings or when Sports Center plays, you know, from Cole Pepper to Moss or you know, whatever the, the play may be. It's guys like that that where you asked him the question, hey, Big Mac, what, you know, how did you feel when you had to buy time for him? It's kind of like, you know, when they drafted a guy that high with that much status, you know, that's what I'm looking at. This guy never gave up a sack in college. So you sit up here saying, so when I sit up here and say, hey, we're got, about to go deep. Hey, Mac, I need a little bit more time. That yeah. That's not just a, just a, a saying. I know what <laughs> right. this man could do. You could you trust know, him on it. So. Trust to be able to go out here and, and connect and, and make plays. And I know, Mac, the feeling is mutual, you know, for you to be coming right. on to a team, you know, well, well, damn, I'm coming on the team with, with Cole Pepper and Moss. And Moss, yeah. <laughs> so, like I say, man, it, it was just more of the respect that we had and just being able to come from college with that type of with, with that type of playing them accolades, man. It was just a just like I said, it was a match made in heaven for us to be able to go out and make that type of success, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then, you know, obviously we as Vikings fans love seeing that connection. Um, so for you with all your personal individual success and being an all-time great now, however, me, maybe it's my bias, but I have you as the goat and a lot of people do as well, but either way you're on that Mount Rushmore. So being an all-time great and watching the game, you know, you do now with NFL live and, um, you know, every, all your work with ESPN, does it get frustrating at times watching that, knowing that like, if there's a slight mis-execution or something like you're on top of that, or is it something you can just take, sit back and take it in like a, like a normal fan? Well, it's it's, it's kind of like a double-edged sword for me because as an analyst, you know, I sit there and 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 study the game and, and sit there and analyze the game. And then I also have, you know, the players that I like watching. I mean, I, I would be sitting here lying to you and say I don't, mm-hmm. you don't like certain players. You know, I like the DK Metcalf, and I respect every player in the National Football League. You know, that's the one thing that – you know that I've I've I check my my pride and my ego in it and at the door and I know that the game has changed. The game has you know maybe you know look easier to others. Like you look at a guy like Aaron Donald and you know how he how easy he makes the game look. So 
it's kind of like when I sit back and reflect and just look how he plays the game. And I'm like, wow, was I able to do and make plays like that? So when I look at the the YouTube plays that, you know, that I was able to make, it, it, it kind of, you know, I'm still, you know, able to go back and be in awe, being able to go out and just say, you know, I was able to, you know, be a big part of the National Football League, being able to be one of the all-time greats in the National Football League. But, you know, when I look at the game now, like I say, I, I, I try to teach more now because I think that the game is only going to get better. When you see all the rule changes and stuff like that, you see that the, you know, the, the, the fans and, you know, some players just, you know, look at it as a negative light. But, you know, it's kind of like, well, if they're going to continue to change the game, this kind, you know, it's time for you to try to educate the players on, you know, you got to be able to, you know, not lead with your head. You got to be able to lead with your shoulders. So, like I said, man, instead of getting mad at the players or disappointed in, in, in the way the players are playing, I think it's just more on just trying to educate the players on just making this continuing to make this game a better football game. On uh, educating players and teaching. Um, so I write about the Vikings and uh, there was a period of a couple of weeks where we were kind of starved for offseason news. And then seemingly out of nowhere, Keenan McCardo was named the wide receiver coach for the Vikings. And we were super pumped about that because most common folks that watch football know who he is. So when I was prepping for the show tonight, it dawned on me, would Randy Moss ever be interested in coaching wide receivers in the NFL? Well, I think that, you know, I... To answer your question, no. And the reason why is because these the coaches put so much time, so much effort and, and, and sacrifice into their into their job and their craft, making sure that we're prepared or we're ready to go out here and win a football game. That the the sacrifice that you have to make, you know, as a player. You know, it, 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 you multiply that times two, you know, as a coach. Mm -hmm. so I think that, you know, for me to be older and, you know, you know, happily married, got my family, just loving and living life, mm -hmm. man, it'll take a lot. It'll take away a lot, a lot for me right now to be a coach in, in the National Football League or just a coach period. And, you know, just a big up to all the coaches out there, not just in the National Football League, just but just being able to sacrifice you know, from there, you know, loved ones, significant others that just begin being able to give back to these kids because I was, you know, one of those kids that needed to be around, you know, coaches and other players and, and stuff like that to make it to where I was. So, like I said, man, for, for me to be able to now to be a coach, man, no, they go through a lot, man, and I, I don't think I'm ready for that type of sacrifice, no. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, we can squash that. It's I wouldn't say it's a long-standing rumor, uh, but it's always been thought of the cool thing if you were interested that you'd come to your favorite purple team. Bryant, you said that I think I asked you this when I first met you that you you said you might be interested in some sort of college but coaching. I said college, though, in college, I probably yeah. would, but not like that. Not the like the assistant O line coach, you know, coming to help with yeah. technique and things like that, where I'm not, I don't have to be there full time. Um, Ed Reed had did that. When he, like the first year or two when he got out and he was telling me how much time it took <laughs> it took away from him, you know, trying to be a coach. And I said, well, you got to think about it. The coaches were there before we got there. The coaches were there after we left too. So, you know, we thought we were there for a long period of time, but they were there longer, so. Yeah, all right. I feel you, B-Mac. -B all, right. all right, so um, I played Division One AA, so I always root for guys that, um, that come from those smaller schools. I know you went to Marshall, Mac School, non-Power 5 Conference. So I was wondering if you could walk us through what it's what it was like entering the NFL 
coming from a smaller school like Marshall and if that kind of made you have a chip on your shoulder more to prove than some of the other guys that were on the team? Well, Dominique, let me educate you a little bit. I went to Florida State first for one year <laughs> and, you know, got in a little bit of trouble and had to leave Florida State and come to Marshall. So basically before I came to Marshall, Dominique, I was already polished. And, you know, what I was able to learn, I mean, Mac, you go against the Florida State Seminoles once a year. And I think that when you look at the way that, you know, you look at a Miami Hurricane, Florida State or, or Florida, Florida State game, you know, I've, I spent time in that offense and, and was around some great players, some great coaches, you know, Bobby Bowden, his son, Jeff Bowden, Coach Mark Rick. So, you know, when I say I was polished as a wide receiver, being able to come from a small town out of West Rand, West Virginia, you know, I learned a lot in just a short time at Florida State. And then before I was, you know, kicked out or thrown out of Florida State, you know, the springtime, the offseason is when the pros come back and work out with the guys. So I was able to get me an offseason in with the pros, you know, until, you know, I went back home and got us trouble. That's what I mean by I was a polished wide receiver for uh, coming to Marshall and being able to get to Marshall on one double A and then them moving up to division one A uh, my second year, you know, I was ready for that jump. I think that guys coming from smaller schools, you know, I look at a guy like, you know, Khalil Mack and just being him being able to make the impact that he was able to make. And, you know, it's not, it's not really based on the school talking about just being able from a smaller school. And if they, if you're good enough, the scouts will find you. Yeah. All right, Sally, what do you got next for Randy? Okay. So I think, um, I think about your complicated relationship with the media often when I see these guys today that are tweeting out, you know, song lyrics or what they're having for lunch or whatever it may be. And people are trying to like hyper analyze what these tweets really mean. Does, are these song lyrics meaning that he's unhappy with his current situation? And they just, um, it seems like they make stories out of nothing sometimes. And then I look back and think about you, how every little thing you did was a huge story and it lasted for months on end. Um, so how, if, if Twitter was around in the early 2000s, I'm just curious, what would Moss do? Would you mess with them? Would you, <laughs> would you set the record straight? Um, do you think the stories would last like a day instead of months because of the fast news cycle? How would you approach it? No, I, I really think that, you know, the one thing that I had to learn with social media, show, so, social media was how to approach and the some of the things to say and some of the things to stay away from. And I think that, you know, as a player, I don't think that I would be into social media because later in my career, I, was, I wasn't really into social media. And I think that, you know, Sally, over, you know, the course of my career, you know, for 14 years and just mainly as a Viking that, you know, my focus was just mainly just going out there playing football. You know, mm -hmm. I, I didn't really go out much. I wasn't that type of dude. I mean, I I mean, I could tell you other people tell you, man, I'm, I, I want to build a camaraderie. I want to be there for my guys. I want to go to these, you know, social functions if I can go through there and support my guy. But, you know, for me, it was just all about wins and losses for me. And I think that I think my competitive edge and, and juices sometimes got in the way of maybe a media sound bite or something, you know, during or after the game. So, you know, I look at it now and, and reflect back on, um, you know, some of the things that I went through in the media. And, you know, I wouldn't change it because, like I said, it's just some of the things that, 
you know, you grow, you learn, you mature. But, you know, those are some of the things that fuel me to go out there and, and, and prove people wrong of, you know, what I heard or, or, or what someone may say. So, like I said, I wouldn't change it. And, you know, for the social media, I don't think that because I don't really take the good comments. I wasn't the type of guy that would go home and turn on SportsCenter or turn on, you know, ESPN or like that. Because I was never, you know, a fan of just looking at my positives. I was always a fan. If I'm looking at my positives, then I'm going to have to look and critique my weaknesses. So that's all. That's why you always hear me say I always have to take the good and the bad. So uh, for me to be just in the social media, I don't think that was me because that's nothing that's going to help me get to my ultimate goals, winning games. That's just fueling you know, the fans and just getting out here chatting. Me, I'm not that that rah-rah type dude. Matt, I can tell you, I'm not a rah-rah guy on Sunday. <laughs> I am from from Monday through Saturday. I'm going to get my teammates riled up. But on Sunday, <laughs> yeah. it's all about the business. Yeah, so um, you alluded to it a little bit, um, you know, a few minutes ago when you were talking about um, how the rules have changed in the NFL and everything. But how does it feel knowing that really the way that you played the game changed a lot of the way that the game is played today whether it be the cover two defenses or you know the receivers not being able to push off like they like they once were or like all the how does it feel knowing that you were the reason for a lot of these rule changes in the nfl well that's why when you you know not being cocky not being arrogant you know because you know when i say that i'm truly blessed from above to be able to be blessed with a talent to go out here and, and I, as they would say, make the game of football look so easy, man. I mean, I really put a lot of hard work, a lot of hard dedication. And you hear me keep turning back to the word sacrifice because that's not really a word that I really used earlier in my career because I didn't really look at it as a sacrifice. I looked at it just more on doing something that I've done since I was six years old. So I think now once, you know, my family, my kids start getting older and, and you know, start and I don't want to use getting away as a negative, but more start coming, you know, in my life, you know, it was just more of the sacrifice of things that I was able and unable to do just because I was just so focused on something I've been doing since I was six years old. So, you know, I, I look at the game now of, um, you know, being able to change the game, um, you know, from a excuse me, a double, a, a single, single uh, safety, double safety, you know, rolling coverages to, to certain sides. So like I say, man, I'm proud of my accomplishments and, and, you know, I stand by my words of what I, of what I say of, of being the greatest of all time. And I don't mean that, you know, like I say in the cocky or arrogance, I just look at the game of football and how it's played, man. I didn't start playing football when I was 10. I didn't start when I was 15. I've been playing the game of football since I was six years old. You know, and, and I look and I look at when, you know, you there was a point of time where the mothers and fathers were really contemplating on, or on putting their kids out there because of this concussion concerns. And, you know, one of my questions was, would my mom would have let me play at six years old, knowing I'm the baby of her family, of, of, of our family? And, you know, I, I mean, I was really thinking about that. And I don't even know if my mom would have let me let me out there. And, you know, like I say, man, I was just truly blessed, you know, to be able to, you know, be a multi, you know, like I say, I don't really like to say talk about changing the game. Like I say, you hear me talk about statements and I don't really talk about the greatest of all times because 
when I say it, I think a lot of people don't think that I give Jerry Rice his due. A lot of people don't think that I give guys like Terrell Owens their due. I respect the game to the fullest, and I do respect guys and their accomplishments and what they were able to do. But, you know, I, I do look at the game of football. I understand politics. I look at, you know, the game of how it was played, how the rules are changed. So, you know, I'm not dumb to the, to, to the eye, man. I, I got a microscopic lens also. Yeah, that makes sense. For uh, for all the young football players out there right now, chasing the dream, trying to be the best they can possibly be, what's the one advice that you would uh, leave them with or give them to help them as they head down that path? Well, I think that in this day and age, um, I think it was, was it Sally, you know, just sitting there talking about the social media. And I think that a lot of this younger generation is is losing their focus you know, for whatever reason it is, they're just losing their focus. And I think that, you know, when you look at, you know, you take back to the guys that paved the way for us and, you know, the technology they didn't have. And you hear the stories of, you know, we should be thankful and grateful for the technology that we have to be able to preserve and keep our bodies the way. So I think that, you know, for me to be able to, you know, give, you know, any type of feedback and information, of course, is always take care of your body. It's always listen to your coach. But I think that, you know, I think for me is if your goal or dream is, you know, to go out and be a doctor or a dentist or a professional athlete, I think you got to be able to put your focus on what you're trying to be and what you're trying to become. And, and, and that's the and that's the best that I can give to this young generation, because, like I said, I could easily say, you know, you know, listen to your parents, listen to your guardian, those things that I've heard, you know, my whole life, but it's not telling you to be able to focus and, and focus is not just, you know, temp- temporarily, it's not, you know, six months, it's not 30 days. It's, you know, if you're trying to get there and, and have an occupation and being a professional athlete, uh, then that's the focus and understand the focus that you need to, to be able to get there. You think about all the kids, the numbers that they say, uh, or the percentages that they say, only seven, only 14, only this percentage gets to the National Football League. And, you know, at the end of the day, when you start going to these combines and when you start going to these all-star camp and really see all these numbers that the people are, are talking about, you know, the question you sit back and reflect on, man, are you really focused to get ahead of this, ahead of the curve of, of you know, your graduating class? So, to answer your question, I think for me is to be able to focus because there's other guys, other athletes, there's other male, there's other females at athletes out there that's in the gym right now. That's in the gym up at 5, 530 in the weight room on the basketball court out there doing the ladder. So, like I said, to be able to answer your question, I think is to be able to focus. If you want it, focus and go get it. I want to interrupt for just a second to talk about our newest sponsor, which is eBay. Um, whether rare, dead stock, or the latest release, um, find the exact shoes you're looking for on eBay. As for the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop a pair um, that you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators, uh, which is a team of experienced sneaker authenticators. They verify the box, the logo, the stitching, etc., and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee uh, tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verification return process. And for the sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell and flip your collection. 
So go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Randy, what about, uh, Brian and I talked about this a few weeks ago. <clears throat> What's to be said about player empowerment because of social media? For instance, uh, with Russell Wilson, when he uh, you know, spoke to whoever it was, Dan Patrick, a couple months ago, and basically hinted at the fact that he might want to be traded or before the Deshaun Watson stuff hit the news when he came out and said he wanted to be traded. There was a time not long ago where a player like that would request a trade and they would look like a complete prick because they're not team oriented. But Brian and I have talked about this aspect of empowerment where somebody can get on, uh, tell their side of the story on Twitter. Do you see social media in a positive light in those regards so that players are given more power or do you still think it's uh, kind of a, a tool for nastiness? I think it's really a tool for nastiness because you look at it. And the reason why I say that is because that when you look at, you know, you look at Wheeler, you look at Watson, you look at Rice, you look at Moss, you look at all these situations, you know, that's, that's, that's ever happened. And, you know, it, it's just more on, you know, if a guy gets in trouble or if a guy wants out, it's just really based on on, on money. And, you know, you can really, you know, talk each week and every week about race and rightfully so, because I think race plays a factor in professional sports, you know, alongside with politics. But I I really think when you when you look at the money that's been made, you know, the checks that's being cut out there, I think that, you know, that's where the nastiness comes from, because, you know, as a fan, you just think that you know, a guy was just given $80 million. So man, regardless of how you feel, you get your butt back out, out, out there and play. So like, I think that's where the, the social media of the nastiness in because the, you know, from, from a fan's perspective, you know, where you feel the, you know, the sense of entitlement to be able to fire back at Brian McKinney or myself <laughs> of, of, of being able to make a decisions for ourselves or, or being able to make a decisions for our family. So, like mm-hmm. I said, it's just more on, you know, being able to, you know, take it and, and run with it. So, you know, there's not going, there's going to be, you know, more athletes, you know, demanding trades, wanting out, getting in trouble and stuff like that. And I think that, you know, you just heard me talking to, you know, my man about being able to, you know, focus. And I think that, you know, that's where a lot of athletes lose their focus. And, and you know, there's, there's some times in, you know, my career, you know, where I was a little off off the track a little bit of, of being able to get in trouble uh, through the media and then have my, you know, whole story plan out for the, last, the, mm-hmm. the next two weeks and not being able to go out in public and things like that. So, like I said, man, just being able to back, back bounce back and overcome that. And I think that, you know, that's what, you know, the fans don't really understand. It's not really all about the money. The money is for the security of, you know, being able to secure your your, your family, but that's not bringing you happiness or just wanting to go out there and play and win for organization, man. There's a lot that comes with that. Okay, fair enough. Sally, you're up. Well, kind of to go off of that point, um, a crazy time in your life that I think about a lot too is the whole 2010 season. I mean, I can't imagine what a whirlwind that was for you to have that much change that quickly. Um, so I was wondering if you could maybe speak a little bit about that and how you even wrap your mind around your career changing like that. So drastically um, two times in a month and a half 
And then selfishly, I just need closure on what the heck happened with Brad Childress. What did he do to you? And why is he so evil? <laughs> and what kind of food was he trying to poison you with? I, I need to know that too. <laughs> well, I lost a lot of sleep. <laughs> Let me say this. I think that that 2010 season, I had a lot of high expectations for me and, you know, just wanting to be able to uh, know what the future held for me, know that I've been a, a veteran in this league. And, you know, I just felt that, you know, as you get older in this game and really understand the game, there's really, you know, you can cut the BS and stop beating around the bush, you know, like. It's not like guys are figuring it out, but understand that, you know, what they've given to the game of, of being able to, to give them the same amount of respect that 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 me or or, or player gives the, the the team or the coaching staff or even the National Football League. So I think that, you know, me personally, my expectations for that season, you know, was was high and, you know, things got out of control with you know, me not getting the ball and, you know, not catching the ball or, you know, the offense not moving the way that, you know, that we planned on it to move. So then, you know, leaving New England and and, and coming to Minnesota was like, uh, you know, I'm back home and, you know, I had high expectations of, of, you know, really not picking up, you know, happened, you know, with Brad Childers. I think I, you know, stuck my foot in my mouth and, said a few things that 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 I shouldn't have said that you know got back to coach you know just based based on our preparation and you know how the team wasn't prepared and the things that he said to me that that I felt was inappropriate for a coach to say about his team and and so like I said it got back to coach Childers and you know I guess he didn't like my response and um, so that's where you know things went south and then all of a sudden it turned around to, you know, Randy cusses out the cook. And I remember um, number 71, Phil Ludholt was my, uh, was my locker mate. Uh, I think he was on my left or my right. And uh, I forgot the other big guy that was on my other side, but I was on in between uh, offensive lineman and the defensive guy. And big Mac knows on Fridays, you know, when that food come through there, them big boys, Hey man, what's over there to eat? <laughs> you know, what they got over there yeah as i'm coming back i'm talking to phil and you know it's kind of like you know the media made it seem like that i blurted out something you know to the cook and degraded and disrespected the chef and man i didn't i don't even remember talking to the chef so you know whatever i said back to phil was more on you know, I'm not going to eat it. I wouldn't feed it to my dog. And I guess it got back to, to the chef that I didn't like his food. So all of a sudden that, you know, they make it a big deal that I'd have disrespected the chef. And then as I leave, you know, it was kind of like the chef wanted to, to throw a goodbye. See you later, Randy Moss party. So if you bring your jersey, we'll burn it and we'll do this or do that. So like I say, man, it was just more on... You know, it just started out as just more on, you know, me just wanting to come back. And I just remember, you know, coming back and doing my press conference, you know, at Winter Park of, hey, man, y'all pull y'all's 84 jerseys back. Uh, pull the 84 jerseys out. Of I was back. excited. Yeah, and me too. So, like, it, it was just more on, you know, me just coming and, and just getting with the guys that they already have in place. You know, they had a mm -hmm. deep 
Defense, you know, with Greenway and, you know, and um, the Williams brothers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I think it was, you know, Henderson, you know, those guys been able to, you know, still been out there. Smith been able to, you know, go out there. So, like I say, man, they had some some good guys in place, you know, when I came back. So I was excited, man. And, and, and like I say, it was just a lot that I wanted to go in. And I think after we played the New England Patriots, maybe like two or three weeks um you know, it's where, I, where where things went south at because of some of the words that was exchanged. You know, I came in to work and um, they brought me in on my day off to try to help with game planning and stuff like that. So, like I said, man, just just more me needing to stick my damn foot in my mouth and just knowing when to shut up and just knowing when to be a player. And, and like I said, when to shut up. So I felt like a coach and I felt like I needed to say something because things was going wrong and like I said things went south from there so that helped kind of help with my second departure from the Vikings that's basically it I remember that Patriots game and I'll never forget that game that Brandon Merriweather was sitting 30 yards behind on your side every single play so you still had that impact like as far as a fan watching like they don't want to get beat by Moss and I'm sure that was Belichick's way of saying well we're gonna take out the best player on the other team because that's just what he does so um well, I just left there. I just right. left there. And, and I knew, you know, from from knowing Coach uh, Belichick that he knew my mentality and he you knew. You wanted to get him. <laughs> yeah. I would have came back and had my opportunity to, to hush everybody at Gillette Stadium. That I, That's what I was coming back to do. And I knew type of sort of his game plan. I know I just got there to, to Minnesota. So I knew I wasn't going to be that big into the game plan. So I was just trying to help the game plan. And like I said, I was just stick. I should have stuck my foot in my mouth uh, and said some things uh, that I shouldn't have and just stayed into it, stay in the player's place. So now Brian, like that season, obviously like you were here till the end when, you know, the dome collapsed and, you know, farm gets knocked out and like they kind of, it, everything went south. Like, so it wasn't just one event. It was just snowballed, but what was it like, you know, like obviously you, when you were brought in as a rookie, you saw Randy at the peak. Well, I mean, his peak lasted mm-hmm. a long time, but you saw top notch, like, you know, the best <laughs> receiver in the, in the league. And then he clearly wasn't that same player still was very great obviously what was it like from your standpoint bringing him back and kind of seeing that hoping to kind of get things um back to where they were the year before i was happy to see him come back because i knew he was gonna bring a certain amount of energy and just like the year before everybody rallied around brett Favre on the offense i feel like that's what everybody was gonna do this year so i feel like brett Favre had ran his course 2009 everybody rallied around him so now we have randy there everybody's gonna rally around too so that'll bring more energy so that's what i'm looking forward to and i don't even know if randy remember this or not but I'm the person who texts you reason a team meeting to let I said, well, Dad, I didn't know you got released and you didn't know yet. And you were like, what? And I'm gonna hit you back. We were in a team meeting and he hadn't even, Coach Children hadn't even um put it out there yet, I guess to the media, that that's what he planned on doing. And apparently they didn't even tell Ziggy and them because Ziggy and them were kind of upset as well. Now, do you think, like, I'm not trying to throw shade at Childress, even though, like, I was never a fan of his, You, but I never played for him. I really wasn't either. Do you think, say, if there was another coach in place at the time, because we got Randy, let's say, what, week three or four, something like that, do you think if a different coach was in, in line at the time that we would have been able to turn things around and maybe make another run I think like we so. did here before? I feel like um, Childress had so much more, like, ego and pride in a way, and, yep. and that's what caused, like, his kind of his downfall. The schism. Um, he allowed his pride <laughs> to get in his way too much. And I mean, even when he first got there, when me and Dante was there, 
and he kept calling Dante Donovan. He kept calling me Trey Thomas. Like, yeah. Who does that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, well, and who who tries to pull Brett Favre at halftime of a game? Like, I mean that 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 and right Brett, away and Brett was, didn't uh... get out either. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And it was a close game, so whatever. Right. Uh, but anyway, so so my actual question, like Randy, this and Brian, you can chime in as well because both of you guys being drafted by Minnesota and coming here at a young age, um, you know, what was your first impression of Minnesota? Like, you know, Randy, you're from a small town in West Virginia, so Minneapolis is obviously a much larger city in that regard, but what was your initial reaction upon, you know, coming to Minnesota? And then what are your lasting impressions of the, of the twin cities? Well, I think for me, um, you know, my late brother was, was already a Viking before me getting drafted there. So me being able to, you know, spend some time and, you know, reunite, you know, with my brother, you know, all I wanted to do, man, was just to play football. I mean, you hear me talking about ripping the league up, and I think that I was so I was so emotional, emotionally scarred from this the process that I just wanted to play football. And I think that you know what, Coach Green, uh, Red McCombs, and and the organization was able to create. You know, our our years there and the magic and the happiness that we was able to bring there. It's just something I never forget. And, you know, you always hear me talk about, you know, the green Bay Packers and, you know, how much I dislike the green Bay Packers, but us too. See, I got this green shirt on for a reason. And, you know, and, it, and it's not for the green Bay Packers. I'm joking. I, it's actually, <laughs> I was about ready to say it. It's actually my Marshall green. We were going to log off. Hurts but, but, but anyways, I think that, when when I look at you know coming to the Vikings really in all in all honesty I, I look at the rivalry you know between the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers and I think that in my 14 years of, of playing in the National Football League I think that was probably the best rivalry that I've ever played in and, wow. and, and that's just something you know that I never forget and that's just you know all the 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 hatred and all the the, the the trash talk that we talk on now that we reminisce, you know, I do it out of love, you know, just for you fans to just be able to get a good laugh and stuff. <laughs> but really in honesty, the, the battle of the borders is, is one of the best rivalries in football, man. And I think it's good for the players because the players understand the rivalry. I think it's good for the fans because they understand it. And, you know, my lasting impression on the state of Minnesota is just, you know, the love that they have for 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 their sports, you know, team and their sports figures, man. I, I mean, the 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 same love that you guys have for me. I know I've been through a lot. I know I've taken some some of the great, liable, trustworthy Viking fans through some ups and downs, man. And I and I really appreciate the 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 real ones that really stuck it out, you know, with me through with Big Mac with with you know, other teammates with up and down seasons, man, of being able to come back on podcasts, been able to go to signings and come back to Minnesota and still receive the love. I mean, the Minnesota, I mean, my biggest accomplishment that that I wanted to bring to state, man, I wanted to win a Super Bowl for the Bikes. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, that's why, you know, with the 15-1 and season, my rookie year and being able to come up with 17 touchdowns, I felt that was a year. But I think that you know, they wanted to keep the chains on me and I'm not really going to reflect on that. I really wanted you to, you know, to answer your question on, you know, my time there and just some lasting impressions, man. And like I said, man, just the memories that I have just going around from, 
you know, meeting people and, you know, having guys like Big Mac still in my circle, man. It's just it's just something that was special about the Vikings, man. So when I go back to the Twin Cities and see the fans and, you know, the same love that I've always had, I try to give them return, man. And I, like I say, man, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for just the real ones just sticking it up, sticking <laughs> to it. Got to love the fishing spots too, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's hands down, no doubt. <laughs> All right, Sally, you're up. Okay, well, speaking about the fans and how much you love us and we love you, we really want your number retired. I know shade to Cordero Patterson or Irv Smith Jr. Obviously, they're great, but we don't want anyone else to wear your number. It's your number. 84 belongs to you. Uh, does, it bug, does it bug you that they retired Chris Carter's number and not yours? What is the holdup? And does it even, do you even care? Man, Sally, I've been I've been through so much, you know, entering the National Football League that, man, I, I, I'm just happy to, to, to take a few dollars and a couple memories, man, and just love my family. I don't I don't I don't sit there and cry over no spilled milk, man. I mean, <laughs> a, a number, uh, a, you know, you know, for Chris Carter to be able to to overcome a lot of obstacles and just have his accomplishments to reach his goals and get that hall of fame jacket and have his number retired. And I know what he'd been through, man. So I'm not going to sit over there and, and just cry that, Hey, what he did. Hey, I should have mine retired too. No, I don't, I don't, I don't play like that, man. I, I love the game of football. I respect the game of football, Sally. I respect all my teammates. I don't, I, I don't degrade or, or, or talk bad about anybody, you know, from anybody that's more 84, to anybody that's going to wear the 84 in the future, I love the game of football, man. And like I said, just being able to be, you know, I consider myself an ambassador of the game of, 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 of pro football, the NFL. And I, and like I said, I don't, I, I don't care if they retire my number. You know, like I said, for me to be able to take, you know, my accomplishments, being able to take a little bit of money that I got and being able to watch my family grow, Hey man, that's, that's a retired Jersey right there, man. That's, that's good enough for me. <laughs> All right. We got two more for Randy Dom. You, uh, you go with the second to last one. All right. For my last question, I wanted to ask a fun hypothetical. So at your current age, looks like you keep in pretty good shape. So, um, if you had to play one more game and suit up, do you think you could still put up some numbers? If I can play one more game, I, I would tell a coach this, Dominique, you got to put me in the red zone. You got to put me in the red zone from like the 30 to the 25 yard line and in. And you give me, what'd you say, one game? Well, just one game. You just got to make yeah, it one they, game. They're going to have to roll coverage. <laughs> they, they would have to roll coverage. You know, I look at the game, the game, the game is a little. The game has uh, has been simplified a little bit, as I would say. You know, just being able to look at, you know, the techniques that they're playing, and now just being able to sit there and be an analyst and analyze the game. I, excuse me, I, I really still think that I can play. You know, in this league, and I like I say, it's all in my mind. I think from a physical standpoint, you know, I just work out just to just to keep the little pain bugs away from me, but. You know, like, man, when I retired and gave this game up, you know, the guys, you know, basically took it and, and, and ran with it. And like I say, I love commentating. I love going on Monday night football. I love, you know, Sunday ESPN countdown, being able to talk about the game as the guys prepare and then being able, to, being able to look at the games throughout the day, watch Sunday night football, and then go talk about, you know, what I saw the day prior on Monday night football. So, 
you know, man, it's a great job. Like I say, I love to watch the game, man. I love the game of football, and I and I wouldn't I wouldn't um, want it no other way. And then, um, so you know, obviously, you're still very close to the game and everything. And we're not going to talk about how Bryant got his Super Bowl ring because we know uh. that unfortunately <laughs> it was against you. Um, and uh, so you know, it's uh, well, Brian, I'm sure is happy. But uh, anyways, so obviously, all your individual success that you had in your career, um, I know, like I'll reference Ladanian Tomlinson because he had said that he would never trade anything he did for a Super Bowl. How do you feel, or what are your sen- sentiments on that? Would you? trade any of your individual accolades or any of your records numbers for a Super Bowl ring, or are you content with how your career played out? I think that, I I think that the way, I think the way that they wanted to play out, it played out and I'm happy with that. And, you know, I don't, I don't hold any grudges. And like I say, I always reflect back and I can look at highlights and look at my teammates and stuff like that, man. When, when you look at, you know, plays that I was able to make and been able to shake or chest bump a guy that's no longer here, man. You talking about being able to just, you know, sit back and reflect. I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to change it. I mean, I think that when you hear the fans, you know, sit up or talk about, hey, man, everything, the one thing you're missing is a Super Bowl. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, a Super Bowl ring, there's, there's guys with Super Bowl rings that, was the 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 fifty second or the fifty first man on the team that you don't hear about? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't hear. I don't have a Super Bowl ring, but you know my slogan is "You got mall." So I think it's that <laughs> right. I, I I think with today when you look at you know I did my thing. I was able to put it down. Just able to reach the ultimate goal of of winning a, a Super Bowl ring. But you know for fourteen years. You know, a playing in the National Football League for every last teammate that I ever had for 14 years. I want to let them know, man, I put it down for you. I was able to sacrifice, didn't get the job done. If I'm drawing two and I'm drawing three guys, man, I, I, I'm trying to do my job. I'm not trying to make light of it or trying to, you know, um, be be mean about it. But like I say, man, I, I put it in, you know, been able to come into work early, been able to leave late with taking care of my body, preserving my body, man, I, I put it down for for a lot of, you know, my teammates mainly, of course, you're going to say your family, but being able to, like I say, man, for me and Mac to be able to have the relationship after all these years, man, where he can just call me, text me, hey, man, what you doing? I need you to do X, Y, and Z, man. That's the mm-hmm. type of love, you know, that you have that, that a lot of players don't have leaving the National Football League, man. So being able to have my health, being able to have my money and relationship with guys like Mac, Hey man, I wouldn't change it. Excellent. Uh, the very last thing, Randy, um, that I've always been curious about, and I've been a Vikings fan since 1996. Um, uh, the quarterbacks that I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, you played with 13 different ones that threw you touchdown passes. So from Culpepper, Cunningham, and Brady, down on to Andrew Walter and uh, Colin Kaepernick. Based on your acrobatic style, which quarterback, which quarterback skill set, um, the way he threw the ball, best suited your wide receiving needs? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I think that, you know, I think that the when you look at the chemistry that, you know, Dante and I had, when you look at the chemistry that Tom and I 
uh, had, you know, I think that just came with over time. But when you look at, you know, some of the chemistry that I was able to make with, you know, quarterbacks in a short period of time, you know, I would say guys like, you know, Gus Barat, you know, mm-hmm. Jeff George, of, of not being able to have a lot of time uh, to work and then being able to go out and put those numbers up. And, you know, I've always been big fans, you know, throughout, you know, my career of being thankful to have a guy like Gus Verrott, you yeah. know, being able to, you know, come in uh, as a backup, Jeff George being able to come in as a backup. But, you know, my love and, and heart is with my man, Dante. My heart and love yeah. is with Tom Brady, man. It's, it's just, you know, the magic that we was able to make, the relationship that we was able to make. And you always hear me talk about relationships, man, because, it's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, as you get older and, and, and start reflecting back, man, football is just a game, no different than a game of chess, no different than a game of checkers. But I think that when you're able to take relationships, you know, away from something like this, man, and just to get to know people a little bit better, you know, a guy like Tom, a guy like Dante, them guys are on my speed dial, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, you know, I don't really have a favorite quarterback, but if you ask me who I love, you know, of course, I'm going to say my man, Tom, my man, Dante, man, because the relationships that we was able to have off the field, there's been some ups and downs. But when you look and reflect back, man, that's just genuine love that we have for one another. But I don't want to take away from the magic that Gus Rott and Jeff. Jordan <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's it's noted and it lives forever now. All right, my man. Uh, well, we want to say thank you. And, and I hope that you know this. I'm sure that you do. But I need you to understand this, that there is a segment of, of Vikings fans that, in my opinion, were born from about 1970 from about 1970 to 1990 that are Vikings fans solely because of you, uh, because of what you brought to the game on the field, off the field, the whole shebang. And there are not many players in any sport that can claim that. And I know thousands of Vikings fans and your, your name always comes up as the guy and you seemingly single-handedly brought thousands, if not millions of folks to uh, this team. So I want to relay our gratitude to that. And we appreciate you coming on the show, sir. I'll well, second that. I, I was 11 years old and I was always a Vikings fan. But the second that, you know, like that, that first game in Lambeau, it was like, this is this is the guy. This is the team that I will. And so while in a way, I kind of hate you a little bit for it because of all the hurt it's caused over the years, but uh, no, I wouldn't trade it for anything. So um, I appreciate it, but I do have one final question for you. And I hope, uh, you know, you're able to answer this the way I want. Um, If you don't write checks, how are you going to pay it? Man, you know what? Let me say this to all the Viking fans, Sally, Dustin, Ryan, Dominic, Big Mac. I appreciate the love, man. All the love and excitement that I gave y'all for all the time and y'all becoming Viking fans, I want to say, man, straight cash, homie. All right. Appreciate it. Cheers I had, to, I had all, to do it. Cheers to, cheers to all the Viking fans. Skull, A. Dustin, Big Mac, Sally, I appreciate y'all's time, man. I'm going to get back to my family. I'm on vacation. Thank you very much. All right. Like I said, man, much love to y'all. Skull, baby.
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.